0: We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University, with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach.
1: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's our final legal roundtable discussion of the year, a good time to review the year just ending in the world of law and jurisprudence. I sat down with today's panel a few days ago to look back on 2018. Joining me for the discussion were our regular attorney panelists, Mark Smith and Bill Freivogel of Washington University and S.I. Carbondale, S.I.U. Carbondale, that is, and Jennifer Joyce, longtime circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis. Thank you all so much for being with us. Hope you're all having a good holiday season. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I'd like to start very generally and just get some sense in looking back over the last year as to what stands out to you and maybe maybe the biggest law-related story. Jennifer, as our guest today, I'll start with you.
2: Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a local perspective Good. on this and I'm going to say that in my view, the biggest story of the year uh, was the defeat of Bob McCullough by Wesley Bell um, in the August primary in St. Louis County. Um, followed closely by the uh, Governor Greitens' uh, prosecution and ultimate uh, 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 stepping down from his office. But um, I think the, uh, the Wesley Bell and Bob McCullough race really um, encapsulates a dynamic that we're seeing going on around the country, and uh, many people felt that that was... Not going to be the outcome I think a lot of people were surprised by it um, and I thought I think it's very interesting and impactful for the region
1: and Inc- including Bob McCullough surprised by it he was in the studio the other day and uh, he's not quite gotten over it yet I don't believe yeah yeah okay mark how about you
0: well so I th- going more on the national stage I think the confirmation of Kavanaugh um, not so much that com- you know the hearings were obviously um, a further part of the me too movement but I think you know what really will be impactful is is now the realignment on the Supreme Court. You've got five conservative justices, and with um, with a lot more freedom to make changes. Now there's questions, um, and there have been some. Uh, you know there was a dissent from Clarence Thomas about not taking uh, the cert petition for. Um, the Planned Parenthood case and people are saying you know Kavanaugh is not going to be I I think he's going to be a conservative I think Roberts wants to be careful and I think Kavanaugh is probably influenced by that but I think we'll see some big changes, maybe not this year or next year, but in the
1: next few years. We'll go into more detail on sure. all of these things, and Bill, uh, finally, yeah, your thoughts.
3: Yeah, well, I would agree with both of uh, both what Jennifer and Mark have to say, uh, but also, I guess, to me, the very the very biggest legal legal story is the Mueller investigation because I think it uh, it definitely threatens President Trump's presidency. Um, the, the it appears as though Mueller has is putting together a case of uh, uh, the, the, the questions the legality of Trump's actions uh, when it comes to directing payments to adult industry stars to keep them quiet right before the election and also um, uh, possible obstruction of justice by firing Comey and doing a number of other things to. To uh, impede Mueller's uh, investigation, I mean, we know quite a bit more, and quite a bit has happened since uh, a year ago. We've got the campaign manager, deputy campaign man, uh, campaign manager, national security advisor, all have uh, either been convicted or pled guilty. Uh, his, uh, I think, we didn't know have a, have a clue a year ago that uh, uh, that Cohen, his personal lawyer and fixer, and you know, big. Big, big uh, supporter uh, would flip on him and, you know, say the president had instructed him to make the payments to the two women, uh, and uh, that the president had been continuing to negotiate for, uh, for or or to at least talk about a Moscow Trump Tower into the beginning of the presidential election. In fact, into June, that month when Trump Jr., uh, Kushner, and Manafort met with the Russian operative, offering 3rd on Hillary Clinton. So it's sort of all pulling the story together. I think it really is a big threat to the president.
1: And the latest uh, chapter in that is the fact that uh, Matt Whitaker, the acting attorney general, has just announced that he will not recuse himself uh, um, right. in, in connection with this, which creates the specter hanging over all of this, the sword of Damocles, if you will, that um, he could pull the plug on Mueller.
2: Well, let's, let's not forget, though, that Mueller is not— in, uh, directly overseeing the—it's uh, not overseeing in any way—the uh, Michael Cohen investigation, yeah. which is arguably the biggest threat to the president right now. Um, that is where he is basically an unindicted co-conspirator, and he is, uh, you know, looking at substantial jail time for for that. And uh, the fact that the Eastern District of New York, or the Southern District, sorry, of New York, um, was able to conduct that investigation and that prosecution and release documents laying out the president like that when the president is their boss, ultimately, is just fascinating to me. I mean, I'd like to know why did Mueller kick that to uh, the federal prosecutors in Manhattan, and how were they able to do this without being tampered with... um, it's almost as if Trump had his eye, didn't took his eye off that ball and was focused on Mueller mm-hmm. um, and wasn't paying attention to what the federal prosecutors in New York were doing.
1: Well, doesn't the pardon issue come into play because it's uh, the, the Trump, as I understand it, maybe I'm wrong on this, could not pardon.
2: No, he can, can pardon. He, it, Trump can pardon any federal crime. But so, he,
1: But if he's OK, all right.
2: Um, Cohen <laughs> is looking at federal charges. And so he could pardon that. Will he pardon Cohen? I seriously doubt it at this point. <laughs> since, <laughs> Not at this point, since him. Cohen came in on him big time. But um, how how you how he didn't tamper with this prosecution? Uh, I I don't understand. And 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 is there too much? Would it look too bad? Would the optics be too bad if he now had this acting attorney general try and shut down that New York federal prosecution? Would would the public would that be finally the point where the public says, "Hey, that's enough"? You know, um, I just think it's very very interesting. Uh, obviously, unprecedented right. uh, legal issues here.
3: I wouldn't be surprised if once we knew the whole story, that uh, Mueller sort of wanted to dish out that part of the investigation, so that because this was a period of time last summer when. Uh, there were there were the president was talking to people about firing sessions Uh, and so I you know I think it made the investigate the overall investigation much more difficult for the president to contain once it had once this major element had been sent off to a U.S. attorney's office and so Mm -hmm. getting rid of Mueller wasn't going to get rid of everything that could jeopardize his presidency.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's uh, probably no end to the state type of prosecutions. Right. Then he he can't uh, pardon anybody for those. That, yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking right. of the yeah. state prosecution. And we had
0: the, the Supreme <laughs> Court just heard oral arguments on this case um, questioning whether you can uh, double jeopardy attaches to both federal and state. And it sounds like from the arguments that the justices are not buying that, that they're not going to change the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason, part of the reason is because um, there was a lot of discussion. What if some foreign government tries you for terrorism, say, and finds you not guilty? Can the United States still, and there was an early case that the, that would have been, or English precedent, I guess, that it would have barred you and that. So, you know, if you're an originalist, you would have to accept that as well. And, and they weren't going in that direction. So they, I think these are all bad Yeah. Um, Bad things for Trump.
2: And and we've we've lost the Trump Foundation as our year-end charitable uh, (laughs) gift uh, recipient this year. Um, He's been accused of running that as his own checkbook. I mean, it's just one thing after another. My fear is that we're normalizing to this as a country, and we don't realize how truly bizarre it is to have one story after another on the evening news about corruption and, and things of that nature and the happens. highest office of the yeah, land. Yeah. I think he's going to be dogged by this presidency of his for the rest of his life. I think he's going to have litigation and, and things haunt him forever. Um, you know, uh, well-deserved, some might say, but it's just unbelievable.
3: I mean, a year ago he was saying he didn't know anything about the hush uh, money payments and uh, um, uh, you know, now it's just not a—he knew about it, but it's just not a crime. Uh, and a year ago, he wasn't doing any business uh, with uh, Putin or Moscow it during did. the campaign, and now, big deal. Yeah, you know, that's—that's mm-hmm. that's just what—anybody that's, can do on that.
0: Fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and they
2: have— so That's the legal term. They
0: have his, his <laughs> chief financial guy cooperating uh, from his business, and I mean, I don't think any business would want that, and particularly for— trump where it seems like you know they just cut corners and you know they're very play fast and loose mm-hmm. so I, I think you're exactly right even if he would step down as president or leave i, I mean there's all this stuff
2: yeah. with his
0: private um,
1: business
2: yeah well it's a uh, black guy for we, the country we can
1: come back to some of this because there are many other elements to this whole washington story but before we take a break i go back to where we started with uh the Greitens case and Wesley Bell. We'll talk about Bell after the break, but uh, what's the most memorable aspect of the whole Greitens story, Bill, that uh, when you think back on it, what comes to mind? <clears throat>
3: well, uh, I, I, I guess it's just being stunned that um, a, a person elected governor could be, could act and, you know, like he's basically 16 years old or something. Right. I mean, they, just, just amazingly uh, terrible alleged behavior that, that that he was involved in. And then, you know, the the for a while there, they were picking up the Trump playbook of, you know, this is all just fake news. And uh, obviously that didn't get him past June.
1: <laughs> Jennifer, do you wish you had been circuit attorney during this period <laughs> of time?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, no, no. Um, but... I'm not sure I, I you know, and I don't know the insides of all of the uh, the allegations, but I know I know enough. I mean, I think everything has pretty much been made public at this point. but um, I'm not sure that I would have uh, brought those charges based on the evidence that they had at that point. And obviously, prosecutors have great discretion in what charges they can bring or not bring. And um, I don't mean to substitute my judgment for uh, Miss Gardner's, but um, I'm not sure that. I would have proceeded down that path, um, particularly against a sitting governor uh, with that hand uh, to play.
1: Was it handled well, do you think?
2: Um, I, You know, I... I I don't want to put
1: you on the spot. Except oh, well, then I don't. Up. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well I'll, I'll say, I mean, as an
2: outsider
0: and someone who's never – it didn't seem like it was handled well, bringing in this the guy who was obviously lying about stuff when he got questioned on it, the investigator, right? Tisabee. Yeah, Tisabee, right. Um, so um, – but my central issue is exactly what Bill said, and it's not a legal issue, but you just want to say, I mean, what is going on? I mean, how – how does somebody do that? He's, he's married. He's got kids. Right. He's got this huge, and it's not like he's a 19-year-old college kid making a stupid choice. I mean, he's a grown man.
3: But
1: well, he's not the first one. I, mean, I know. Can go back I don't, and I don't understand one And
2: one also, other. he, um, <laughs> you know, he, what really, in my opinion, the real reason that he stepped down is because he was going to have to give over his donor list and information to, right, that, right. to the uh, legislature and their, their panel that was investigating him. Um, you know, as of these allegations regarding his, his mistress and everything, remember he, he hired eight different lawyers. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was the dream team. Everybody was, you know, from Ed Dowd to Jack Garvey to Scott Rosenblum. I mean, holy moly. Um, he, was, he was really, because I think they, they, they saw that they had a shot of getting getting out from under those charges. But once it became clear that he had to turn over his donor lists, and 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 answer questions along those lines. That was when he resigned. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot going on. He was not the guy that we all thought he was clearly. Right. Um, and uh, what fascinates me about him is that if you you know look at his background, he majored in ethics <laughs> at Duke, and he you know everybody agrees that he wanted to be president. You know mm-hmm. he had that website reserved and you know that domain name. And so this is a guy who is very calculated as to how he was going to go about in his life. And um, even to the point where he's majoring in ethics, not, I believe, because he was an ethical person, but because he wanted to facsimilate an ethical person. I mean, I say this, (laughs) I don't know him well, but... it's just fascinating to me that he was able to rise to the levels that he was as quickly as he was and then fall as quickly, too.
1: I've got to take a break, but didn't I read something in the not-too-distant past that he is supposedly considering getting back into politics? Did anybody yeah, see
0: that? I saw that. That was a that was a tweet by Jeff Smith. and you.
3: And maybe the two of them could join.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, 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 they're and bonding. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Smith seems to have a very flexible relationship with the truth and, and seems to really crave mm-hmm. publicity. So I... I don't know that I believe that but I mean this mm-hmm. great guy seems to be um, yeah he's I mean, not he, who we thought he was and he's yeah. uh, he also doesn't not give up I mean the fact that he fought it as long so maybe he is doing it who knows
1: let's take that break now I'll come back and talk about some other things this is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU <laughs> And welcome back to our year-end legal roundtable panel discussion, looking back over some of the big legal stories uh, over the past year. I should point out, by the way, that this program uh, was recorded a couple of days ago, so if something big happened in the legal world between then and now, that's why we're not talking about it. With me in studio, Mark Smith, former circuit attorney Jennifer Joyce, and uh, Bill Freivogel. Well, let's go back to where we started, and Jennifer, and again, I'll go back to you, because this is uh, you bring a new element to the story of of Wesley Bell's uh, defeat of Robert McCullough. What happened since then, as most people know, I think, is the fact that uh, the prosecutors in that office, uh, we don't know exactly how many of them voted this way, but they voted to join a police union. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that? You've learned something about that.
2: Right. Well, when, when y'all invited me to be on this show, I knew that this would be a topic that com- would come up. So I, uh, I uh, made, reached out to some uh, friends of mine in that office and learned that, really, um, it's not what people think. Um, The reason why they voted to unionize, and it was the prosecutors and the investigators, was primarily about the dysfunction in the county council and the fact that they are uh, having a budget crisis Um, They've recently, uh, they made noises that they were going to do it, and then they did, I I believe, pass a budget which took $5 million from uh, the police department. Um, You'll recall that they had the Proposition P some time ago, which Mm -hmm. was supposed to provide raises for uh, prosecutors, among other things. And... Uh, the person that I, that I spoke to on this has been there for over 10 years and has never had a raise. So these raises were long overdue for the prosecutors. And uh, there was lots of discussion in the county council that uh, they were going to get rid of those. And they realized that they didn't have any way to effectively uh, negotiate that with the council because they weren't unionized.
1: Well, they, mo- most people, well, I don't say most people, but there has been a, a, a an assumption that they're doing this because of Wesley Bell, who is going to reform the office and and uh, you know perhaps fire a lot of people.
2: Yeah, my my understanding is that 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 could not be farther from the truth. Um, first off, Wesley Bell can't fire anybody. There's civil service That's over right. there, different than uh, the circuit attorney's office. I could hire and fire at will. Uh, the St. Louis County Prosecutor's Office's civil service. So there's only two positions other than the elected prosecutor that Wesley Bell could fire even if he wanted to, and I don't believe, I've never heard him say that he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So there, you know, you've got to understand these are prosecutors, okay? They're public servants. They're interested in pursuing justice in the courtroom. They're not politically minded. They're not um, uh, Interested in making speeches on the courthouse steps. They just want to do their job and they want to be paid fairly for it So they have done really I believe a poor job in getting their perspective out on this Which has caused the whole narrative about they're worried about Wesley Bell to take root But I believe that's a false narrative I think and I'm convinced that they are concerned about being fairly paid. They're concerned about being able to hold their own in discussions with a dysfunctional county council. I mean, there was an example that uh, when Mr. McCullough was speaking to the county council recently about his budget, one of the council members asked, uh, McCullough how many public defenders worked in his office and how much money was he going to give to the public defenders. So we're laughing because the public defenders, that's a completely different office and it's state funded and it has nothing to do with uh, the budget for the St. Louis County prosecutor. But to have one of the, what is it, six county council members not know that uh, really concerns the rank and file prosecutors and investigators in that office. So Um, I believe most of them voted for McCullough, but in the months that have transpired, they've had the opportunity to meet with Mr. Bell, they've met with the people that are going to be on his transition team, and they are, in very large part, enthusiastic and welcoming a change and are excited to work with him. And they feel bad that this has been misinterpreted, um, the fact that they joined this union. Do
1: you have any idea what the vote was?
2: Um my understanding it was three to one mm. in favor of joining the union mm. um, but uh, again, it was not about concern about Wesley Bell because if you think about it, what do they gain by doing mm. that nothing they already can't yeah. be fired yeah. you know it does nothing. They really are looking forward to working with him them they're optimistic and and open minded and open hearted about it.
3: I think Jennifer has a future as a journalist yeah, you know I'm she right. likes the likes you like to <laughs> You like the tweet, and and you, I do. you and, and you're, you're protecting your source here, and you've got all I'm sorts of inside information. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm trying to talk them into uh, making this information public, and maybe by the time this is broadcast, they will, because we've all seen what happens if you don't get both sides out. You know. Uh, the narrative that's out becomes the truth right. in people's mind. You're
1: not getting bored in retirement, are you?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I
3: really hope that Wesley Bell. I mean, I, wi- I wish him you know, great success. I, no way did I think he could get elected. Uh, I'm afraid I even said so on this show before the election. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I hope he is careful and watches what has happened with Kim Gardner, because um, you know, uh, she, I I have great hopes. Had great hopes for Kim Gardner. I guess I still do, but she certainly had a really rough first number of months—not only the uh, the Greitens prosecution, but other things as well. And so I, you know, I think it's really important that Wesley Bell, you know, take it easy. And and I'm not saying he has to do everything like Bob McCulloch did, but Mm-mm. but uh, and he sure, surely surely shouldn't. But he he
1: sh- he should also be careful. Well, Jennifer, this is—I'll uh, ask you this, because you would know. Uh, stepping into a job like this, how long mm-hmm. does it take? I mean, there's got to be a learning curve. Oh, coming my gosh! huge. I mean, yeah. So, huge I mean, you, you, learning curve. You, you talk about Kim Gardner just jump parachuting in, and yeah. you know, it's a different deal.
2: The problem is, and, and I kind of parachuted in, too. I mean, I can admit it now mm-hmm. that when I became circuit attorney, I had zero management experience. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even married then, so I didn't even get the chance to manage my husband <laughs> at that point. Um, and, and, Times have changed, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> Now he's the focus of all of my management. Um, poor man. But I did not know what I was doing. And I was a homicide prosecutor. I, I had great skills at that. But that is a completely different skill set than being the elected prosecutor in a large office. And um, my, uh, my, the good news for me, though, is that I didn't fire everybody who knew what they were doing. And so I had a vision of what I wanted to accomplish. But I had people there who could tell me, whoa, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. Um, and that saved me from flying the plane into the ground. And if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing uh, to be uh, the elected prosecutor, you know, that's not optimal, but you can survive that if you have good advisors. And that's one thing that gives me hope about Wesley Bell is just seeing the people that are advising him. Um, my hope is, he seems like a, he's a very thoughtful and reasonable person. My hope is that he keeps uh, the experienced people close by to him in, in St. Louis County. And he can learn the job, but there's no way you're gonna know what to expect until you're actually in that spot. I mean, I remember DeJoyce Joyce Hayes. She didn't have a case load. She was my uh, predecessor. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, heck, I'm going to go to the gym every day and get my nails done, go shopping. This is going to be awesome. She doesn't have a caseload. What does she do? Oh, I never once went to the gym during the day when I was circuit <laughs> attorney. I didn't have time to go to the gym, you know. So you don't know till you're in that spot. And um, you got to have good advisors if you if you don't have the experience. But he might you might
1: have some disgruntled advisors because apparently they're not going to get that pay raise. <laughs> that's, don't,
2: that's
0: don't you think a... also he's... Um, I mean, he said during his campaign that he he would not enforce the death penalty. Didn't he? I'm mm-hmm. I'm not making that up, am I? I thought he said that. I think that.
2: that's—I've I've heard that attributed to him. Yeah, yeah I I think so, so.
0: And so now he's got this—the Catholic supply, I mean, um, you know, it's hard to imagine— The, mur- the murder case, case in the Yeah, Kansas the murder case where—I yes. mean, and granted, that's <laughs> going to take time and everything, but I mean, there are going to be people clamoring for the death penalty yeah. on that one, and— and I'm sure he wasn't thinking about a situation like that when he said no death penalty. So I think I think you're exactly right about the, you know, in any job, and and I can't even imagine what that job, but f- trying to figure it out, it takes you six months to a year to even know what's going on mm-hmm. before you start making decisions. But then also, it's easy the candidate say, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and then you get in there and all of a sudden you facts realize, start presenting. Right. and. And it becomes more difficult. I'm going to bring in more African-American prosecutors. And you realize, man, it, it is tough right. to uh, – I mean, every law firm in town is trying to do that. Everyone's trying to do that. And it's mm-hmm. tough. There's about, something about freeing
2: time. about running for office having never held the office. You know, you don't have yeah, any yeah, limits. Yeah, you can say to, anything, right. A yeah. chicken in every pot, you know.
1: <laughs> what do you make of the uh, the uh, Jay Ashcroft and now Nicole Galloway uh, – Using using Josh Hawley as kind of a target for misuse of uh, campaign funds is anything likely to come of this? What could come of it? Thoughts.
3: Well, I mean, if you compare it to to what happened to Webster, uh, you know, who went who, to jail, who went to jail for the, what? The, I mean, at least the the thing he actually pled to was using the. Office copier for Copy campaign, machine, yeah. yeah, which was, I, I mean, I think that was sort of a plea bargain thing, yeah. deal. But, um, I mean, you know, I guess the, I guess I, you know, bottom line is I think that this is not going to right. uh, cause, I don't think there will be a major criminal investigation of this. I think it uh, it seems as though these political operatives were particularly active in his Office before the actual campaign uh, began, so that might be a, a way in which this is can be sort of factually uh, distinguished. It's sort of interesting that Ashcroft is is uh, you know biting. Uh, yeah. that makes was you wonder. Point, yeah. Makes you wonder whether there's what's uh, yeah, going on. There's some ambition, <laughs> yeah. ambition there,
1: and it, and wanting to expand it by bringing the uh, state auditor into the process yeah. too, just to get a little more. I mean, a a lot of this
0: seems to be based on this Kansas City Star expose, and and I read it, and it. I mean, I I think it would be tough. I mean, I I think there's an easy way to get out of it, Um, and I don't. I agree with Bill. I don't. I don't see anything big coming of it. They probably were playing a little fast and loose more than they should have, but. Uh, I mean, it
3: is clear that, that, that the, the day, the moment, and, and probably before the moment he was elected to, Hawley was elected to Attorney General, he was on his way to, to run for the Senate.
0: You know, even I mean, though he Even though he was the, saying, yeah. <laughs> not so. I'm not going to. So right. I think every time a politician says, I'm not doing something, just assume they are going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's hard it's not of, to be cynical. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's very difficult.
1: Anybody know anything about William Bell, who might be the uh, next Attorney General? Barr, mean, William Barr. Oh, Oh, uh,
3: well, he was uh, he was a pretty well uh, respected attorney general under. I think it was George Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah. Right. I actually met him one time. He was representing somebody. uh, He came to the post-dispatch editorial board uh, representing a U.S. attorney down who was involved in the Waco, the Waco deal. But I think he has a he has a pretty good reputation. Uh, You know what's just come out about him is that he had written a memo in June, basically saying that uh, Mueller really shouldn't be pursuing uh, the obstruction of justice portion of his investigation, that there wouldn't be any reason either for bringing, for the president to have to answer Mueller's questions on that part of the investigation, uh, the uh, The reason being it's not obstruction of justice if the president is exercising his constitutional duties. Um, I, I read a pretty interesting well, law professor's article this morning saying that if you'll apply Barr's thinking to uh, Richard Nixon's attempt to get the CIA to shut down the FBI in Watergate—that uh, too was, uh, you know, just exercising his his um, his constitutional responsibility of overseeing the CIA and FBI. So I, I don't buy, I don't buy Barr's um, argu- legal argument, and I think the fact that he expressed it back in June—I mean, one would think that maybe. Uh, he would have to recuse himself. You know, um, in connection with Whitaker, the, apparently the Justice Department ethics person said he should recuse himself and just decided not to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if he recuses himself, Trump's head's going to blow up, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I thought,
0: um, Bars, I wasn't as troubled with what Bill said, but I mean, but the memo's a strange memo because it's. It's long, single space. I mean, this is some guy who spent a lot of time. what 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 kind of struck me was he it was a lot of well, assume Muller's doing this or assume he's doing that or and then I mean and then he writes this big long memo and we, we don't I mean Muller's been mm-hmm. so tight- lipped. we don't know what he's doing and and so I don't really understand why he did it why I mean maybe maybe he's just the kind of guy who, when he mm-hmm. thinks about something, cranks out a thirteen-page memo. I mean, right. I mean, I, I just, don't do that. I just Maybe don't so, think.
3: I, so. I, I just don't think that like a president can, could say to, uh, uh, you know, Manafort or Flynn mm. or any one of these other people that, who Mueller's talking to. Uh, Look, you keep your mouth shut and don't don't implicate me in any way, and I will pardon you, whatever whatever happens to you. Now that would be a corrupt. That would be a corrupt understanding. He would be exercising his constitutional powers to pardon, but he would be doing it as part of a uh, a corrupt corrupt and criminal um, uh, agreement. So, yeah, I just don't buy the
1: argument that Barr makes in that. You mentioned Flynn. They've really got him twisting in the wind (laughs) right now, don't they?
2: Wow! Yeah, that was interesting. Does it, has anybody heard of that judge before? The, the
1: no. judge that was go ahead. Uh, not really—he was referred to as no nonsense. He's a no nonsense. What clearly. you hear? What you hear a lot.
3: It was interesting that I mean, in conservative circles before that hearing, they were really uh, they were really hoping that he was going to challenge Mueller's whole sort of legitimacy, and instead he comes down on this. He comes. He comes down on Flynn, and even used, even goes too far as to say he was a traitor. I mean, I would. – I mean, that's that's well, treason he, is is not right. Well, but he apologized. For that. Yeah, he did. He did pull pull that back. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, he was. It was. It was interesting. I mean, I think he was right in saying that, for the national security advisor you to know. be talking to the Russians about, you know, maybe we can do something about these uh, about these sanctions that relate to you fixing the ele- you know affecting the election
1: i mean that that's, um, that's that's pretty bad a
2: big deal yeah
1: got to take another break let's do that now continue our conversation momentarily this is st louis on the air on st louis public radio 90.7 kwmu And welcome back as we continue our legal roundtable panel discussion with Jennifer Joyce, Bill Fryvogel, and Mark Smith. Uh, another big story that uh, is of recent vintage uh, uh, concerns Obamacare. I wonder if any of you think that Obamacare is now as good as dead now that a federal judge has ruled against it. Any thoughts? I mean, I don't think so. Um, I, I, you know, I think that
3: the. The Trump administration has done a lot of things and uh, and also the Republican Congress to to hurt it I mean you know not having advertising to sign up Mm -hmm. and getting rid of the uh, getting rid of the mandate Uh, I think the judge you know the the judge in uh, Texas is a judge who Republican attorney generals go to to get favorable rulings I think the ruling was, uh, was 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 way too broad i mean he, 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 even if it's true i mean it is tr- it is true that the mandate the 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 affordable care act was upheld on the basis that the mandate was a tax and that's that's what roberts uh, used as the basis of, of the ruling to uphold Obamacare. And the Republican Congress this past year uh, made it not a tax, so that kind of constitutional underpinning is is gone for the man, for the mandate. But I think a lot of conservative as well as liberal uh, commentators have said there was no reason for the judge. To then knock out everything you know, you know, in Obamacare, you know, basically throw out almost yeah. the entire the entire law or the, or the entire law, and you know, and do it as part of a, one of these, uh, you know, national uh, national injunctions. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but no, I, I think it'll be a, appealed. I think Obamacare will remain, uh, the Affordable Care Act will remain uh, in place uh, during during the. You know, future legal proceedings, and uh, but
1: but what if it goes to the Supreme Court? And it could.
3: Well, it doesn't have any fewer votes. Um, uh, you know, it, you know. It, the, the same five justices uh, are are on the Supreme Court. Uh, Kennedy was on the other side, mm-hmm. um, so um, so I think. So um, it would be
1: Roberts again Roberts Roberts would
3: be Roberts again deciding w- with the liberals yeah. Of course we learned uh, you know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in the yeah. hospital today and had oh two, no. had two um,
0: cancerous, cancerous tumors, tumors
3: removed from her lung uh, and she's home resting they don't see any other cancer. We'll see w- where that goes she's 85.
1: Let me just point out once again that this is a recorded program, and the day that uh, it was recorded was the day we learned mm-hmm. about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. By the time this airs, hopefully we'll have much more information. But, I
0: mean, I, you know, when you, when you hear about it, I think about, you know, my mother turns 85 tomorrow, and my, I mean, um, I mean you know, if she has some health issues, she's not going to snap right back. And my aunt and uncle in their later 80s, you know, a fall takes them out for a month. I mean, and we're expecting, you know, we see that stuff with her working out. And <laughs> like she's yeah. Iron Man, she's not. She's 85 years old. And I really I, I worry about that. You know, going back to what you said about this Texas case and the um, what are some of the big legal stories? I mean, one of the big legal stories is this the tax cut that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't talk about it a lot, but it has huge ramifications beyond just what the taxes you pay at the end of the month or the end of the year, the, this Affordable Care Act could be impacted, but also, you know, the deficit it's going to affect mm-hmm. and how do we deal with that in the future? Um, and it's, it's going to be really tough to undo that and go back to say, okay, we're going to raise up taxes here. Nobody wants to do that. So um, I think it's not going to happen right now, but it'll, it'll have a big impact, I
1: think, on our country. We had a tax guy on the program uh, last week and uh, wait till you see the forms this year. <laughs> They're quite a bit different than what we're used to, and gonna be uh, gonna be a little bit more difficult to to navigate. On the subject of money, Jennifer, I'll come back to you on this one. Uh, apparently, a significant grant has been awarded to the uh, Circuit Attorney's Office mm-hmm. for something called uh, Conviction Integrity, a Conviction Integrity Unit in the city. Right. Right.
2: Haven't we had conviction
1: integrity uh, all along? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: conviction integrity is kind of a uh, concept that sprung up. Um, I think it was originally um, created in Dallas, and then the uh, Brooklyn DA um, took the ball and ran with it too. And it's it's really caught on around the country. Um, we had a conviction integrity unit uh, in when I was the circuit attorney, um, and uh, I think what... It's going to happen now is that's going to be expanded with some federal funding. And basically, what a conviction integrity unit is is you know, you always get um, calls and letters and things like that saying, hey, my brother was convicted and it was he was innocent. you know And what do you do with those? And how do you handle those? And what a conviction integrity unit is is a special unit that just handles those cases and goes in and uh, investigates them. Um, we, we reinvestigated probably 1,400 cases in my office that were uh, convicted and you know individuals imprisoned before I became a uh, circuit attorney. Um, a lot of the cases that you hear about uh, convictions being overturned were from the 80s and 90s where the forensic science wasn't very good and uh, things are so much better now but there still remains a lot of cases where they bear uh, review. And so I think it's terrific that uh, they've gotten this this grant, and um, some uh, offices around the country are bringing in like defense attorneys to serve on their conviction integrity uh, unit, and people from outside the prosecutor's office, which is which is good too, you know. Mm-hmm as much as we try not to, we can get tunnel vision as prosecutors. We are, you know, the worst thing I think that can happen to anybody is to be in an echo chamber and to only hear uh, voices and uh, viewpoints that agree with you. And if you your, your head is down and you're working on these cases and all you hear is the victims and the police, you know, you you kind of need mm-hmm. that external right. voice to come in and tell you, it, get, share a different perspective. And this
0: grant will allow her to bring in an attorney to do this right i believe so yeah, yeah I, th- I, mean, I thought I would, that's what i saw maybe a staff member too and that's
2: uh, what she would do and she's partnering with the innocence project right too. exactly
3: right i think part of this money pays for uh, uh part of the salary of, a, of an innocence project investigator to be working on this mm-hmm. right effort
2: i think it's i think it's terrific um you know, it, we try our best in the criminal justice system, but nobody's perfect. It's a system of human beings. And so the more that we can review and have other perspectives, look at the work that we do, the better.
1: And now we're talking criminal justice reform. It looks like oh, President yeah. Trump is going to be signing this major legislation. Uh, President Trump has been, game, been given a lot of credit for kind of uh, supporting this thing. Any, any feeling amongst you folks about that and what it's likely to mean?
3: I think it's a, I think it's a big deal. I think yeah. it's a. It's a terrific accomplishment. I guess, um, uh, it, it's one of those. It's one of those criminal justice issues on which you can get libertarian conservatives and and sort of civil libertarians to agree. Uh, you and had both the
0: ACLU, ACLU, and the Koch brothers. Exactly,
2: they're, they're palsy wells they're All the always time. hanging <laughs>
3: out, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Koch brothers were really big backers yeah. of this, you know. And, and I, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I didn't. I was not aware of that. Oh, yeah, Jennifer. I name dropper. <laughs> 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 uh, Gra- uh, Chairman Grassley of the Senate Judiciary Committee was a was a big proponent of this. mate helped uh, to make it happen. Uh, so yes, I think it's going, you know, it, it gives judges more discretion uh, in sentencing so that they you know, aren't aren't entirely tied to those little boxes of the
1: sentencing guidelines. Jennifer, what's it likely to mean in the city of St. Louis, in a city like St. What's Louis? What's it going to you... mean? Uh, yeah. Not much. No. Um,
2: it only affects the federal prosecutors mm-hmm. and they only uh, prosecute a tiny percentage of of the criminal prosecutions in the United States. So, I mean, I get, and, and it's
0: only a very small part of our prison population, right, too.
2: Right, and I, I get what you're saying, Bill. That it's a big deal, but I gotta say, I don't, I don't think it's a very big deal for that reason. Um, the impact of <clears throat> it is very limited, and the the reforms are are pretty small compared to the opportunity that's out there to really take. But a don't look you at think our it's a first, system. maybe
0: a first step? I mean, because we've had this whole you know, three strikes and you're out, and it mm-hmm. was mandatory, and everything was going in this direction, and now yeah, you don't think it could be the start? Well,
2: I, I think there's there's initiatives all over the place looking at our, our justice system, but what we have is we had a very high crime period in the 80s and 90s, and so all of these draconian right. laws and sentencing, right. mm-hmm. uh, you know, statutes and stuff were passed. Now crime is down, okay? Some people say it's because of the draconian laws but now crime is down so we're removing a lot of those and it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. But I think the real reform or evolution as I prefer to call it, it, um, should be in the state system because that is the system that touches most people's lives. That's where we need more diversion. We need more mental health um, courts. We need to end cash bail, um, things of that nature. Um, These changes in the federal system are are going to affect a small number of people and I'd like to see us do more. Yeah.
1: I wanted to get to another subject too regarding the uh, Supreme Court bill you brought to our attention uh, earlier uh, last week the what seems to be a perhaps a budding alliance between the most recent Supreme Court justice Kavanaugh and uh, the chief justice of the Supreme Court uh, uh, what's going on there what what do you think is happening uh, on the basis of what we've been reading
3: yeah well so i was i was uh, this was well explained by linda greenhouse as the former uh, new york times uh, supreme court reporter who uh, was pointing to a case where the Supre- where the supreme court refused to hear an appeal involving uh, planned parenthood this was uh, this was an appeal of states uh, that wanted to be able to cut off funding uh, for player and Planned Parenthood. The basis of that was, uh, you know those, uh, those uh, very misleading videos from a few years ago about Planned Parenthood supposedly selling fetus body parts. Um, and so a number of states uh, attempted to, to cut off fundi- uh, Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood and the question, uh, that was before the Supreme Court was, uh, can Medicaid recipients challenge that kind of a state decision? And five, uh, I guess it was four circuit court of a- appeals courts had ruled that yes, a Medicaid uh, recipient can challenge cutting off Planned Parenthood and therefore Planned Parenthood would most likely be able to continue receiving funding. One court of appeals uh, Said no, uh, no Medicaid uh, recipient could challenge it. That's actually our St. Louis uh, Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals here in St. Louis. That that was the outlier. Uh, Normal, uh, and so then um, the court refused to hear an appeal. Justice Thomas. Uh, took the fairly unusual step of explaining why he thought they should have taken the appeal, mm-hmm. and uh, he was joined by um, Alito and Gorsuch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that left Kavanaugh out of that group of three.
0: And uh, it, was a, it was pretty snarky. The, it was that a pretty
3: – yeah, and he said, you know, look, you know, it, the Supreme Court almost always takes uh, important – Cases where there's a split among courts of appeals, and the only reason we're not doing it is because Planned Parenthood is a sort of golden boy. He didn't use golden. Yeah, uh, but, um, oh, but it's political. There was political. It, it, yeah, and um, but so what's interesting is it seems as as though Kavanaugh was with the Chief Justice uh, there, and so uh, you know what Linda was reading into that, and I I think she's got a got a good point, although it'll take it'll take months and years to see whether this. Uh, plays out is that Kavanaugh could be an, an ally um, of the chief justices for putting the legitimacy of the court as fr- as the most important thing rather than, uh, you know, trying to overturn Roe versus Wade or other kinds of uh, more liberal precedents. And we'll see how that plays out.
1: And that's very important to Roberts, Roberts, the reputation of the court and the yes. image of the I court. Yes, I
3: he's been chief justice for 10 years, maybe yeah. a little bit longer, and he's a young man. He's going to be chief justice, you know, if his it itself holds out another 20 years. And you know, this is uh, the, only, the most important thing to, to Roberts is the legitimacy of his yeah. t-
1: but, but in court. terms
0: of Kavanaugh, I mean, you know— w- when you're playing poker, I don't judge what kind of player you are based on the way you play two hands. I mean, that's mm-hmm. too little information, and we've got too little information here. And he's new, and he's going to be overly, I think, cautious. And so, I mean, it could be that we've got this now. We're going to have this three, two, four grouping, but I, I, think, I just think it's too soon to tell anything.
1: Okay, move on to another thing. Coming back uh, to local, and again, Jennifer, I'll turn to you with regard to the the police officers who are being excluded uh, from
2: mm-hmm. from
1: bringing cases uh, uh, to uh, Kim Gardner's office. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Uh, judge now has gotten into the act, and he wants uh, some information about this. What's to be told?
2: Um, I think it's always a tough situation as... Um, Uh, prosecutor you you have information on police officers um, conducting themselves in a way remember that uh, prosecutors vouch for the credibility of every witness they put on the stand Mm -hmm. and uh, we had occasions when I was circuit attorney uh, where we would lose confidence in the credibility of an officer for one reason or another and it may be a reason that I was able to talk about, and it may not be a reason that I was able to talk about. I mean, we had the recent indictments of the uh, federal, uh, in the federal court of the officers during the uh, Stockley protests. (laughs) Um, There's no doubt that Kim Gardner knew about that and and did not wanna put officers on the stand that she knew were gonna be indicted Mm -hmm. momentarily. Um, and uh, but wasn't in a position to say anything about it. So it's frustrating because you want to be able to tell people why you do what you do, but lots of times you can. And you don't want to put someone on the stand um, and vouch for their credibility when you don't have confidence in their credibility. Mm-hmm. So it, it, every prosecutor handles that differently, but it's a problem that, that many prosecutors have to face.
1: What does the judge want to know? Why specifically these 28 officers are being Excluded?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly he he wants to know. That's um, um
0: Seltzer, right?
2: Seltzer, I think yeah, Seltzer, I yeah. know there's a there's a recent ruling, and um, I I know that there was concern about that that uh, the police union did not want to um, uh. <clears throat> have these names released. Um, I was
0: think I think he was saying that they the police officers needed needed to be given some kind of notice about what the reason was, you know, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a, you couldn't not tell them why they were being excluded.
2: Well, this is all in light of a recent Missouri Supreme Court unanimous decision, right. which says that. The right of a prosecutor to ch- charge a case, not charge a case, put on witnesses, what have you, is completely unfettered, mm-hmm. and she has absolute discretion in that. So I'm not, I don't, I don't know how she can be forced to put on, to use a witness that she doesn't want to use, or explain her choice in not using that witness.
1: My understanding is that a lot of attorneys in town know the names on that list that that is being passed around.
2: Well, I know that when I w- was in office, there was always courthouse rumors about this cop and that cop, mm-hmm. and um, many of those courthouse rumors ended up to being true. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that there is a lot of discussion about um, what what police officers are on this list.
0: Yeah. And Judge Stel- Stelzer was, um, he was the lawyer for the police department, the police yes. board, when he's he was in the city council. Yeah. But he's also gonna be thoughtful and knowledgeable about yes. what, what's going on.
2: He's We're a St. Joan of Arc guy, actually. <laughs> <I> do, <yeah. laughs> We're gonna have to leave it with the Joan of Arc, okay, okay. St. Joan of Arc, uh,
1: <laughs> our time is up. I wanna thank you all so much for being with us. Hope you're having wonderful holidays, Bill Freibold, you and your family. Jennifer, nice thank to you. see you again. I hope you're having a good season. Mark Smith, same to you. Thank Thank you. you so much for being with us. Happy New Year to you all.